This information is subject to a disclaimer at the end of this podcast. Please ensure that you listen to the disclaimer and go to www.ubs.com for further information about UBS. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the UBS Global Research Pod Hub. This is a channel that shares insights from economists, strategists, and equity analysts on pivotal questions and events shaping today's markets. My name is Jeff Robinson. I'm from UBS Equity Research, and I am joined today by Jeff Hare, who is part of the European Chemicals team. And in this episode, we are going to take a high-level look at carbon policy and carbon pricing and some of the work that Jeff and his team have performed over the last few months. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Thanks for having me. Well, I'm going to kick off with just a really big picture question, which is, um, I suppose, there's two questions in here. One is carbon policy and pricing, just talking kind of really big picture about what that actually is. And I suppose then the second question is, why was this something that was so interesting for the chemicals team in Europe at UBS? Because I know you put a lot of work out on this area. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Um, I suppose what the reason why we did it is that um, we're all aware that governments and and companies and consumers are all talking about lowering our carbon footprint. This has been a theme of the last five years, certainly maybe longer, um, and it's now coming to the forefront of government policies almost around the world, whether you're in the emerging markets or in the developed markets. And one of the key things we're aware of is that the chemical industry is one of the largest industrial emitters of CO2 and CO2-type gases, greenhouse gases. Um, Roughly, um, of the total carbon emission, roughly the chemical industry is responsible for 6% of it, whereas, um, and the only only sector bigger than that is steel, which is seven. Um, The reason why we sort of think this is important for um, our industry is that Carbon is one of the key atoms that is, that is involved in the chemical industry, whether that is as a feedstock, as a source of energy, or actually an intricate part of, of, of end products. So most plastics that you see around you, um, most foams that you see around you, are all containing carbon. So it's a key part of the chemical industry. And the reason we've done the work to look at this analysis is that we find it very hard to be able to look at the financial impact on the chemical sector from the carbon emissions that they had. Um, And we did a lot of work particularly using the European Emission Trading Scheme. This is where you effectively have a number of chemical processes and industrial processes where you are, where where the EU effectively penalizes companies for for having high carbon emitting processes and and effectively that could end up being a cost as we go forward um, and and therefore we wanted to look at the financial impact and how the industry would potentially look to decarbonize and what the financial impact of that would be from a capex point of view and a returns point of view and the sort of catalyst for doing this work was a realization that the EU had put out its Green Deal last year and then was putting concrete proposals, which they put out in July, which was called Fit for 55, which looked at how they would make the emission trading scheme in Europe um, work 
more harshly to encourage industry to effectively decarbonize. So can I pick up just on one thing you, you said there with the work that you did? Um, so you, you're collecting information, you're collecting data, and, and then essentially are you trying to translate that into what the carbon industry needs to do? over the next X number of years, and then what the financial impact is, what the cash outflows are, and then ultimately what the valuation is. Is that the kind of process you go through? And that's one question, I guess. And the second question is, that sounds terribly difficult to do in terms of the availability of data and information. And kind of what kind of obstacles did you have in your path when you were doing that? So let's start with the obstacles first. So mm. um, the EU every year gives a um, a level of emissions for every plant that's, that's inside the um, uh, ETS, or the Emission Trading Scheme. And every, and every year, companies have to submit to the EU what their emissions were for the previous year. Um, that, is a, that is a database that you can get from the EU website that's publicly available, comes out generally in May each year. Um, it's about 15,000 lines of um, data. Um, on an Excel spreadsheet, um, and what you have to do then is go through that and map each plant to a company, which in some cases is easy because you've got a name. In other countries, they don't give names. So we had to go through and map with our knowledge, um, particularly in Germany, uh, had to map for our knowledge with our knowledge of the end of the companies, which plants we thought were applicable to each company, and then we had to go back and check that with the company. That was a fairly long process. took us about a month to do. Then what we did was able to model then what the impact would be up to 2030 because we have we know how much allowances, uh, carbon allowances are being reduced and we know what companies are planning to do in terms of reducing their targets for carbon reduction. And what we did was we used the current carbon price, which is around, around about 60, 60 euros a tonne, and we were able to work out the financial impact then on a P&L basis and then we calculated an NPV over the next 10 years of that cost to work out what it would potentially mean for share prices. We then took that a couple of steps further. We, we, we looked at more harsh scenarios where we took all of the carbon companies produced in Europe, scope one and scope two, and what we did then was penalize, tax that, um, and then we also looked at it, if you strip away all allowances and just look at what the cost would be in the emissions. Now, the, the impact of the sector as a whole was limited, actually, on average, um, when you just looked at what the impact of the ETS was, when you then looked at what the impact of it, if you, if you taxed all European carbon emissions plus taking away emissions, you increased the impact on the sector at the EBITDA level from 1% to 5%, and on a free cash flow basis, it was sort of a, a significant multiple of that as well. So, Jeff, given, given what sounds like an incredible amount of work just to get a view on that aspect of, I suppose, carbon policy and pricing, um, thinking over, I suppose, the short to medium term there, possibly even the long term, what does the chems industry kind of need to do? You know, what is the direction that we need to be thinking about? Yeah, that's a really helpful question, Jeff. I think there's a number of different aspects to that, but for what we would describe as sort of petrochemical, industrial chemical processes, if companies want to hit 
the 2030 and, and ultimately the 2050 targets for the EU and, and also in China as well, which is to be net carbon zero. We need to see the industry moving towards decarbonization of processes. And that means looking at different feedstocks and different processes to create the products that they currently are producing for the customer base. That is a real challenge. Um, and let me explain a couple of aspects of why that is. Um, one is that these require higher, will require more capex. And the work that we've done in, in connection with the utilities team and Aurora, which is an independent consultancy company, would suggest that the opex of any sort of completely carbon-free process for the chemical industry is significantly higher than the current incumbent processes. So let me just give you at least one example of that. One way of producing petrochemicals is to use something called, is to use methanol to convert the methanol into petrochemicals. Um, if you wanted to go through that process and, and have that completely carbon free, you would end up in a, in a situation where the cost relative to the current cost would be about three times to four times higher. So the other way of looking at this is to say, what would the carbon price need to be today to encourage the industry to shift to these processes? And that would mean you'd need to see a carbon price of probably somewhere in the region of 200 to 300, sorry, 250 to 300 euros a ton um, to justify that for the industry. We're nowhere near that. So what we really are seeing, what we're sort of getting to the point is that industry is looking at pilot projects in new areas of processes and feedstocks. But to then commercialize that requires a government framework which encourages it. So there's um, so a British phrase of chicken and egg here, where companies don't want to commit to that high capex if governments aren't going to, to support that within a, a financial framework. And we're seeing that already in some areas where there are real projects in green, green hydrogen in Europe um, and, and also in some other areas as well. But in the interim, what companies will probably do is, is, is move, is take the current manufacturing assets they have and they will look to, to decarbonize those as much as possible. And that will be either using renewable energy for electricity so wind power and solar, um, and a number of companies we cover in Europe are already committing to, by 2025, to be 100% renewable energy in Europe. Or alternatively, they will use recycled products um, as uh, re recycled raw materials um, into their process, which a number of companies are looking at as well. Those are lower cost um, options, and also you're not then required to invest significantly in new plant and, and processes at the same time. But ultimately, to decarbonize completely, we think that the capex will have to rise for the industry compared to where it is at the moment, and it may include low, higher opex costs, which ultimately will lower returns for some companies, not all. Thank you for visiting the UBS Research Pod Hub. That was an introduction, an overview of the carbon policy and pricing work that's been formed by Jeff Hare and the chemicals team here in Europe. My name's Jeff Robinson. And um, again, tune in for more investment insights on this channel. We hope to see you soon. This content has been prepared by UBS AG, its subsidiaries and or affiliates, and is purely informational in nature. 
It is not investment research and does not contain an investment recommendation nor investment or professional advice. It is not an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity, and you should seek your own financial, tax, and legal advice before engaging in any such activity. UBS has no responsibility to you in relation to this content. It has no regard to your personal circumstances or investment objectives, and receiving it does not imply any form of client relationship with UBS for any legal, regulatory, or tax purpose. This content is not intended for distribution into any jurisdiction where to do so would be contrary to law or regulation. UBS does not accept any liability over the content of such material or reliance upon any information contained herein. The views and opinions expressed by any guest speaker or third party are not those of UBS. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over any such views and opinions expressed by such persons. This content is the valuable intellectual property of UBS, and UBS specifically prohibits the redistribution of it in whole or in part without its prior written permission. Copyright UBS 2021. The key symbol and UBS are among the registered and unregistered trademarks of UBS. All rights reserved.